Hello, and welcome to the Rojan Kim cast. It's me, your host, Rojan Kim. So, what's going on with you? <laughs> I'm kidding. This is not a two-way conversation, is it? It's just me babbling into the atmosphere, or the blogosphere? No, the podosphere. The podosphere, coming to you live from the podosphere. It's Rojan Kim, starring the Rojan Kim cast. Ah, oh, I gotta take. Let me take that again. Can I take that again? Can I do that? No, I got it. Just keep it rolling. This is not. Uh, keep this. This is the, still the first take. It's not take two. Take one. Still take one. It's still rolling. Live from the Potosphere, it's the Rojan Kim cast, starring Rojan Kim. Okay, I think we got it. All right, what's next? What's going on? Hey, hi. How are you doing? Um, so it's me, Rojan. Where have I been? Um, I've been here. I've been I've been here. Uh, probably the same as you. I mean, you haven't been here, otherwise we would have seen each other, but you are probably at your here, you know, subjective to you, just like I'm here, subjective to me, which is each other's there. Like, your here is my there, my here is your there. I mean, this is not rocket science, right? This is just... Uh, <laughs> perspective anyway um that was me um wasting time killing time killing time with rojan kim our first topic in killing time is defining time <laughs> okay <laughs> i managed to say nothing just for like two minutes and uh, i've said nothing i've said nothing except hello welcome to the rojan kim cast starring your me your uh star can i take that again can i hi Hi. So, where have I been? Uh, yeah, I've been here. I've been, uh, you know, I've been writing. I've been doing a lot of writing, like, um, like fiction writing. I like writing a book. I don't know why. Why? Well, because I've always wanted to. And every year, a uh, year goes by, and I haven't written a book. And I'm like, oh, I'll write one one day. And that's just, and it just becomes like a running joke of like, oh yeah, just like my book, huh? just like the thing I never finished. And then I imagine myself on my deathbed thinking about, ah, if I only had written the book, that book that I wanted, <laughs> that whatever that book is. Um, so I am writing a book. It's a sci-fi book. It's sci-fi comedy, I guess, like kind of like Hitchhiker's Guide or kind of like, you know, those books. I don't know what really qualifies as those books. Well, I do. I mean, it's like Hitchhiker's Guide, I guess. The Terry Pratchett books, you know, the Discworld books. It's a good example of the tone maybe I'm trying to go for. I don't really know. I mean, who am I to really put myself in the uh, company of those giants? Those guys are fucking geniuses. I'm just some guy trying to make sense of the world through an imagined future dystopia. It's uh so what's the book about? Oh well it's about it's based on my thesis, so I don't know if you're familiar with my work. If you're familiar with my oeuvre, my uh what is it called? Uh videography? Yeah, I guess or mm filmography i guess i guess would be uh well anyway if you're familiar with my body of work you'll know that one of my short films which was also my columbia master's thesis getting dicked getting dicked was a sci-fi comedy and um getting dicked was just a fragment of a larger idea i had it's never fleshed out i mean i did some like random writing about it when it would come but nothing disciplined and over years i mean i made that 
thesis in 2010, you know, and so I'd been thinking about it since probably since Obama got elected. And, you know, more and more throughout the course of his administration. And here we are at the end of it. And still no book, no movie. This thing, I feel like could have been a cartoon, a movie, a lot of things, whatever. But the thing is, hey, those things cost a lot of money and writing a book costs time only. It's kind of like how I started doing stand-up. You know, like I just started figuring, hey, these jokes cost way less than comedy sketches. And I can get way more reps out of it. And, you know, I'm finding, yeah, more reps. More reps is better than, you know, one giant rep, you know, like one massive undertaking every once in a while. Sort of common sense, sort of like the dishes. Dishes are easier to do if you do them every day, a little bit at a time. Uh, you know, dishes suck if you let them pile up and pile up. And then you have to do one giant load of dishes. And then you're like, I fucking hate dishes. I hate everybody who made dishes. I hate dish soap. I hate the dishwashing industry. Every I want a dishwasher. Even if I had a dishwasher, it would still be a massive undertaking because of all these dishes. You know, it's just like cleaning, anything, anything, any undertaking. So I feel like writing a book, uh, writing a book is, oof, it's a lot of work. I mean, you got to just keep at it, you know, and how do, how do I do it? It's very daunting. You know, and what, uh, so I decided I would do something simple, like a thousand words a day. So I started writing a thousand words a day at the beginning of May, um, you know, and I'm up to 24,000 words now or something. You know, I, I've been going just a little bit over every day. Sometimes I'm a little under. I'm trying to average that. You know, sometimes it's kind of daunting, this a thousand words a day thing. But I figure by the end of the month, I'll have about 30,000 words. You know, that's, uh, maybe like half a book or something you know at that point i can kind of figure out all right where do i go from here i have an outline you know maybe i can write three books i don't know it's just a really a matter of regularity i think and you know it'll take time i mean once i've written all the words i have to go back and edit and that could take months you know so that's these things take time it's just like my screenplay that i wrote you know i wrote a screenplay at the beginning of the year the screenplay was actually a culmination of years and years of notes and thinking or whatever and i just kind of like pooped it out in a month and then worked on it, shaped it over the next couple of months to get it into some decent shape, sent it out to a couple of places, fingers crossed, that, you know, whatever. It's just, I'm getting, trying to get things done as opposed to just having ideas and then letting them just sit in there like old poops. And then I just have a constipated creative mind or constipated creativity, you know. And you got to get it out. You got to poop it out. So pooping it out a little bit at a time is way better than dreading the giant painful poop that might come. Okay, that's all right. Let's we can stop. Stop it. Stop it with the poop talk. Okay, but that's just so that's what I've been up to. So it, it's kind of mm, writing has always been the thing that I've avoided my entire life. Like, uh, you know, like uh, I, I wrote a lot when I was a kid. A very weird relationship with it because my dad would make me write. He would make me journal and then like read my journal. And so I'd have to like write <laughs> so that my dad would kind of like understand it because it's not like his English was like that great. So I'd have to write in a way that he would understand it. But also if I couldn't like really express myself. So I, then I had like developed this code and shit. It, it's really ridiculous. Um, he'd make me do these book reports and shit. And so, I mean, on, on some level, I guess I owe my... I wouldn't say love of letters, but, you know, my relationship with them to my dad and whatever, but 
there are many other teachers along the way who made it way better um, for me. And, uh, you know, I love reading, love writing. But I hate sitting there and doing it. The regularity. I'm not a disciplined person. I, or I haven't been. You know, I've been a wild, wild man. Just wild. Let's put it this way. There wasn't a lot of regularity in my childhood. I was a latchkey kid from very early. So it was just me with a little key around my neck coming home from 5 to whatever. 5 to, I don't know, like 11 maybe. Something like that. So, I, you know, those years were just riding the bus by myself, coming home by myself, you know, making my own food and, uh doing homework and sneaking to watch TV. My dad wouldn't let me watch TV, but he was never home because he was working. So he would be like, we had a small enough TV where he would pick it up and move it somewhere where I couldn't plug it in. And then I would just push it along the carpet, along the wall and plug it in the wall and then push it back. And then he figured out I was doing that. So he'd set like these little <clears throat> like traps, paper traps or like he put a little piece of paper right by the cord or whatever so that it would fall it moved you know so then i figured that out and i pushed the tv and push it back and put the little piece of paper back <laughs> it's ridiculously ins it's insane it's not how you parent a child it's not what do you think the child is just learning to undermine authority you got to be there anyway sorry <laughs> that's a little uh parenting uh, 101 slash rojan's uh, psychotherapy session from 2002 maybe i don't know that's <sighs> Didn't mean to go down that road, guys. But anyway, the point is, there's a lot of chaos going on in my life. So discipline is not the easiest thing. And writing was is really, it took a lot of discipline for me. And the things I did write, you know, I wrote screenplays and written stuff. They were massive poops, you know, the big poops I was talking about. Oh, wait, I should stop using the poop metaphor. Why do I, well, whatever. Okay, it's working for me. Sorry, I apologize about the poop talk. Um, but yeah. You know what I mean? So film, in some ways, I love film. I'm not saying I don't love film. I recognize, though, the writing aspect of film is the most important part. And uh, just like writing anything, you have to do it every day. You know, you have to do it every day. But film became almost like mm, a thing where writing was the stepping stone to the final product. So, like, writing was an excuse for me to direct, which was uh, which I loved. Fucking loved directing up there so writing was just an excuse to get there and whatever you know um and it's not to say i don't love film but i do uh love writing more in the sense that it's scarier right so then i, I started doing stand-up right and the thing is i love performing so now i'm writing to perform so writing is cool i could write every day i could write tons and, and perform and then that's sort of writing is the excuse to perform right but I still just feel like, ah, it's still, there's there's more I want to write. Or there's more things in my head. And uh, the more I do these other things, the more the main thing that I'm avoiding becomes more and more apparent. It's like, I can't, it's like I know, it's like I'm pretending, you know, if I was a, a drunk or um, I popped a lot of pills, like Xanax or something, you know, like sedatives, benzos and stuff, I feel like maybe I could avoid it. You know, I could go through my life just addicted to these substances that help me numb the pain of never following my dream or listening to that voice inside or whatever it is. It's that, it's maybe the muse. Maybe it's the muse. Maybe it's, we're all just antennas tapping into some unknown energy, some life force, some creative force that's in the universe. Um, it doesn't have to be religious or spiritual, but it can be. Maybe it is. But it could also just be energy 
you know it's just the energy it's entropy randomness that we are making meaning we're just crafting meaning out of the randomness of the universe or the universe is imbued with meaning you know and we're witnessing it whatever man either way we're just you know we're here and we should make the best of it that's what i think so i don't want to live the rest of my life and have these regrets and feel like oh, i could have done something i could have written that book i could have done that you know at least i'll fucking i'll try to write the novel uh, I'll try to finish it, see if it's any good, you know. And if I like doing it, I'll keep doing it. And if not, whatever, man, I'll do something else. Or I'll keep do. I'll do it all. I'm doing it all, everyone. Doing it all. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's been me writing a book. It's a silly book. That's, you know. And uh, I don't know. I guess uh, what does it speak to? A sense of maturity in my life. Uh, <laughs> sense of I don't know. Things are. Things are in flux. Things are changing. Well, obviously, you know, new president, whatever, election, Olympics, 2016, even number year, whatever, you know, all kinds of stuff. I'm thinking about moving out of New York. Me me and Remy, we were thinking about it. We're, I mean, I've been here for 12 years, you know, and it's not that I'm running away from it, like, or tired of it. I just feel like a change might be nice. You know, change might be nice. A little sunshine, a little space, get away from the harsh winter. Not that winter has been that harsh. The weather has been weird in New York, it's up and down. Maybe I'll be by coastal, man. Maybe I'll be, do, I'll do it. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll. Cause I don't think I could ever leave New York because I'm from LA, you know. And I, where else would I be for comedy and film and all that? But LA, so that's obvious. That's one of the choices. We were also thinking Colorado, maybe Denver, but um, it's a bit too small a town kind of provincial and denver i know is amazing i shouldn't say it's provincial it is small though it, uh, it's small in the sense well let me put it this way you know Ramy's from there so <sighs> she, I, I totally agree with her in that um i don't want to move back to my hometown in a sense like who people who leave their hometowns they move back it's a there's a sense of failure sense of oh you're you're back huh you couldn't make it out there in the big city now you're back but la is not <laughs> la is also the big city LA is also where people go, and LA, you know, it's fine. LA, New York, I'm living in, I'm living in both the major cities, man. Also, LA, you know, ma- medical marijuana. It's just uh, a lot more space. Driving, I love driving. I hate traffic, but I love driving. So that's it's out there. I'm, it's out there. I'm thinking about it. I haven't been back in 20 years. Maybe it's time. I don't know. You know. Along with moving out west, I started getting, like, really into uh, hunting for some reason. I've always been into it. Like, I always wanted to do it. But I guess the prospect of moving west again was like, oh, fuck, I could start hunting. (laughs) Which is, like, so weird. Like, if I, I guess, you know, I thought, uh, because I was thinking about moving to Colorado and be like, oh, I'll be in the mountains and fucking start hunting and shit. And, you know, and the more I started just researching the fuck out of it, I started watching a lot of Meat Eater with Steve Rinella. Stephen Ranella, uh, Stephen Ranella, started looking up a lot of research. Rifles, rifles, rifle hunting, shotgun hunting, bow and arrow, archery. That would be awesome. I would love to learn to shoot, learn to shoot a bow and arrow. And the more I learn about it, it's like, oh, it's gonna take me a while to even get good enough on a bow and arrow to hit like a target. Well, much less an animal. You know, maybe they, you know, you start shooting on a target. And you got to start with small animals, I guess, you know, before I don't want to try to kill a deer when I'm barely able to shoot a bow. 
and the more I read about bow hunting, it's hard. It's it's really rewarding, but you got to get like right up to the fucking animal and shoot it the goddamn bow and arrow right into the harder lungs, right? Like as opposed to being ten times the distance away, like four hundred yards away or three hundred yards away, and sh- shooting it with a rifle, like a pow, you know, from far away, hitting it and the fucking projectile, and then go pow, you know. And then you get the meat, and you eat the meat, and it's so great. Okay, so it's probably not that simple. You know, it's not that simple. Most hunters learn when they're kids, right? Uh, so that I have to learn as an adult. Maybe take a guided hunt. A guided hunt could cost anywhere from like five hundred to twenty-five hundred dollars. Like it's 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 not for people with no money. In a way, like the people who need to hunt are the people with the least amount of money. So they grew up learning how to hunt. Meanwhile, the people who want to learn how to hunt because they didn't grow up learning how to hunt. They're the ones with money. So they pay to learn how to hunt. Probably from people who grew up hunting. Like, and that's just sort of the crazy world we live in where if you want to learn how to hunt, you either have to have money or you have to have been poor enough to have been hunting all the time. I guess poor is also not the right word. I don't want to make it an economic thing, though there is an economic part to it, right? If you actually are subsistence hunting, um, just not even out of... I guess, you know, if you're voluntarily doing it, that's one thing. But if you have to, I feel like then you're, that's like, you know, you might, you should qualify for some assistance. Uh, if you, <laughs> if your food intake is based on the game you kill. But anyway, so watching a lot of Meat Eater, looking at, looking at that stuff, um, looking at rifles, looking at bow and arrows, looking at hunting laws, gun laws. And it's going to be a while. Maybe a while, but I don't think it's you know it's not a terrible thing to learn about guns. You know, it's not. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not homicidal like I, or suicidal. <laughs> like I don't feel like killing people, shooting them. I don't feel like that. I think it's a worthwhile skill to learn. Have home defense. I don't know. I don't know so much about having a gun. You know, like the whole Second Amendment thing. But you know, learning to shoot a rifle is probably not a bad idea, right? Learning to shoot a bow and arrow. That's probably a little more fun and esoteric. Potentially helpful in an apocalyptic scenario, but please, come on. Apocalypse. Like if I was in L.A. during some kind of apo- apocalyptic thing, I I don't know. It doesn't matter. How, much, how many guns could I possibly have? I need an army like to deal with that. So, no, thank you. If I had a gun, it would be to you know shoot my loved ones in the head. And <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. That's not true. I would let them shoot me first. I don't know. Or whatever. Whatever works out. I just Whatever works out with people getting their feelings hurt the least. I don't want to be the bad guy in this situation where people have to kill themselves or I have to kill people. Or I guess I'll do it if it's the hardest thing. It's hard. It's tough. I have to shoot the dog. I love that dog. Shoot him, though. Well, I guess we could hold out. We could shoot the dog first and then eat him. Hold out. Then suicide pack, murder, suicide, murder pack. I don't know what it's. I don't know what the exact scenario is. There's a lot of specifics to go over. Anyway, so hunting, that's been a thing. But you know what? I think it's just um, part of it's just my excitement. Getting out. Oh, I get out of the city, go west. It's like this weird feeling of, because I grew up out west, but I guess I because I lived in a city, it wasn't, there was some nature, and I do miss it. I do miss the me- nature of California, but something about being cityfied in New York and thinking about moving west, it's got me thinking all frontiersy and fucking pioneer-like. That's what those fucking tenderfoots from the east that came 
West were probably all thinking about, oh, I shall go out there with a rifle and shoot a grizzly. You know, like probably just having all these highfalutin thoughts about going out there, and then they meet these rugged Western motherfuckers who are just like, oh, Jesus, God, check out this fucking Lord Fauntleroy over here with his fucking tight pants and fucking powdered wigs or whatever. I don't know how it went down. It's like the first season of Deadwood. There you go. You see that? That dude who died and then the wife ended up marrying the sheriff. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. So, anyway. <sighs> lots of stuff going on. Circulating. Um, so, that's been cool. You know, and, uh, you know, finally, you know, I've just been thinking a lot about this podcast. Um, because I do want to do know the best possible job i guess but i don't know what that is sometimes it's just like what does that mean sometimes it means getting guests sometimes it just means me doing this the the whole point of me starting something called the rojan kim cast was just because that it was just me it was just me it was just me that's it that's all it's me it's no real other promises i mean i'll have guests some of this but it's just stuff i'm interested in stuff it's just me maybe it's too general though it's possibly too general i don't know but i think it's just kind of like a nice thing to have um you know, it's an outlet, creative outlet. But I was listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast, and he was talking about how before he started podcasting, he looked into like, oh, most people fail at podcasting, or not fail, but they quit. You know, most po- most people, he said, do like 95% of people who start a podcast, do three episodes, stop, and that's it. So then, you know, he was saying one of the reasons why is because the post-production is too much. It's too much work. And even when I put out the podcast that I do, it's it's quite a bit of work. I mean, it's hours. It's hours of work. I'm selecting music. I'm editing it. I'm compressing the sound. I'm doing all these things. So, you know, one of the things he was saying is he decided not to do that much post-production. He decided to make it as easy as possible, and he decided to make it like a regular thing. So that's what I'm thinking about. Thinking about making this, you know, instead of making it sort of like, ah, the big poop, the big special poop, doing little poops at a time. And, you know, along the way, maybe the production value will increase. Maybe this or that. I don't know. So maybe... It's just worth it for me to be a little more regular. Promises, promises, Rojan. I th- I'm pretty sure I'm on tape. It's not tape, but I'm pretty sure I've got myself recorded saying this exact same thing about, I promise to do more. It's like the audience is the girlfriend that I never call, but I still want to be with. I don't, don't go. No, I will do better. I promise I'll do better. This is a concrete solution. See, it's, I'm not, it's not empty promises. I've got steps. You know, I, instead of doing a big poop, I'll do little poops. And that's that's a real thing, All right? So, guys, thank you very much. I'm going to wind it down. I'm going to wind it down. I think I, I um, owe it to you guys to not keep you too much longer because <laughs> I don't know. You probably left a long time ago. So thank you guys for listening to the Rojan Kim cast. Um, follow me on Twitter, guys. At Rojan Kim, R-O-G-I-N-K-I-M. Find me on Instagram. Find me wherever. Find me at Auto Shrunken Head every first Monday of every month. That's first Monday of every month. Next one's June 6th, 9 p.m. show. East Village, 14th Street at Avenue B. Well, between A and B. Anyway, come on out. Um, and, yeah, thanks again for listening. Until next time.